This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 36. Hello and a very happy new year to you if you are listening to this in real time as it goes out at the start of 2018. And if not, hello to you in the future. I hope we are all driving flying cars and that world peace has finally been established. This week's episode is all about Pinterest, which is one of those platforms that I think most of us feel like we are probably not using to maximum effect. I get a lot of questions about it on my courses and just kind of one-to-one and in my inbox. And I know in theory how to use it but in practice I know I'm not doing a lot of it and I'm sure there's so much more I don't know. So this week we're talking to a Pinterest expert about how she drives most of her traffic to her website and an awful lot of sales through her Pinterest. But first the Insta Retreat, that is my tell-all e-course for Instagram covering everything from algorithms and apps to live broadcasting and getting traffic and sales to your website and everything in between my heart and my soul. This course is going back on sale on Tuesday the 15th of January so that's next week if you're listening to this as it goes out. So demand for this class is always really high just because we keep the class size quite small to make sure that we can give enough supervision and answer any questions and do the live question and answer. So if you would like to grab a spot on this one that's going to be starting at the beginning of March, head online on Tuesday, this Tuesday the 15th, anytime from midnight and grab your spot. Usually it will sell out by the end of the morning. So if you are thinking about it, be ready to grab your spot so you're not going to be disappointed. And you will get six weeks of absolutely everything there is to know about Instagram, plus all the updates for the future course and a Facebook community where we get to hang out indefinitely and more live question and answer sessions in the future in there as well with me. You can find all the details online to get a whole picture of it at meandorla.co.uk forward slash courses. That's meandorla.co.uk forward slash C-O-U-R-S-E-S. I will obviously put a link in the show notes, etc. as well. Okay, so let's get to this week's good stuff. Today's episode, I'm talking to Megan Ullman, who will introduce herself to you in a moment and all of the many strings to her bow of what she does. We talk about Pinterest, but also because we are both just big online business nerds, we also talk about Instagram and mailing lists and blogging and even the power of a good selfie to sell. It's a super, super jam-packed, valuable episode, the kind you probably want a notebook and pen handy for, but I will put all the details up in the show notes as well for you to catch up later. Hello, Megan. Hello. Welcome to Hashtag Authentic. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So for anybody who hasn't already heard you speaking before or come across your work, would you like to just give us a quick intro? Yeah, so I am a designer and a metalsmith and an educator. So I run my own eponymous jewelry line where I've been selling uh, online for, I figured it out, 10 years now, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, I do um, education for other creative entrepreneurs. So I have a site called designingandmba.com. Um, and then I also do a lot of teaching on the platform Creative Live. So I love to, you know, my favorite thing is to kind of figure things out in my own business. And then I love to turn around and, and teach them and help others as well. I love that you have those two strands to your business and yet you're still able to define it so succinctly. I need to practice that because it's difficult when you have those kind of, a lot of us do this, I suppose we have like a creative side and a teaching side and they don't necessarily fall under the same heading. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to figure out how to kind of navigate the two. It's taken me years of practice to be able to that succinctly say, these are the two things I do and these are how they work together. 
An MBA, by the way, we should say, because there's a lot of British people listening, is Masters in Business. Is that right? Masters in Business. Yeah, Masters in Business Administration, which I actually do not have. Uh, The story behind that website is that I thought about going back to get my MBA. I actually have an MFA. I have a Masters in Fine Arts. And I said to a friend that I thought about going to get my MBA. And she was like, that's crazy. You could teach that stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, how, how do you teach things in this day and age? You start a blog. So <laughs> that was how that got started. So yeah, don't have an MBA, but I like to think of it as you don't need one, but here's the skills that you do need. I, I totally agree. Like having studied business, I mean, I studied business just up till before college and some of it's useful, but what so much of it is sort of outdated for the way we work now that the platforms are changing so quickly and people it's no longer the same model so what you learn in a business course about huge businesses a lot of it isn't really very applicable to small businesses that we're running from our own homes yeah very true I mean and I did minor in entrepreneurship in college but it's that same thing of you know I'm not I don't really apply anything from say like my accounting course or my finance <laughs> course but so yeah so I think it's really important to help you know educate small businesses about all the different things that are happening and changing and everything is even from when I started 10 years ago so different yeah yeah it's different every day at the moment isn't it yes it really is (laughs) you mentioned creative live in there which is an online teaching platform and I think that's where I first came across you and your Pinterest course yes so I have a number of classes on creative live now um, but one of my uh, most popular and still one of my favorites is my Pinterest course I am super, super, super obsessed with Pinterest. I even uh, got my husband into it. My husband's not even on Facebook and I convinced him to join Pinterest. So I'm totally like, I've, I've been a huge fan of the platform for years now and I'm such, you know, an evangelist for it because I think it's, if you have any kind of visual business, it's just such an amazing place to be. So that's interesting because I suspect a lot of people listening, everyone's got an Instagram Probably most people have got a website, but I suspect a lot of people listening haven't really branched out into Pinterest. Can you kind of sell it to those people who are thinking, oh my God, not another platform? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so I think that the reason that a lot of people maybe aren't into Pinterest, or I think in a lot of cases people try it and then kind of move on very quickly, is because in the beginning you don't see really quick results, which I know is frustrating for a lot of people, right? You post your image on Instagram and you know, hopefully you get some likes right away. It's things are a little dodgy with the (laughs) algorithm these days, but hopefully you get some likes right away. So there's that like instant gratification. Whereas, you know, you post something to Pinterest and it feels like maybe no one's paying attention, but the difference between Pinterest and what makes it so great is that your content has such a long lifespan on Pinterest. So I think it's something like, you know, the lifetime of a tweet is like under an hour and an Instagram post, you know, maybe you get a couple of days out of it. But on Pinterest, I have blog posts and and product pins that I put up years ago that are still sending me traffic, which is amazing. And so especially if you're a creative who doesn't want to spend all day staring at your phone or sitting on your computer, you know, Pinterest things start to snowball and it does a lot of the work for you. Like I always say Instagram is a really hungry beast. Like you have to feed it all the time, but Pinterest, you have to like kind of feed it in the beginning and eventually it becomes really self-sufficient. That's a really nice analogy. And I think it's when you get Pinterest right, it's, and it starts to work for you, kind of everything falls into place and it, 
it's a breeze. So I have like, just I have one post about making elderflower gin. So a really seasonal thing, which I know works well on Pinterest. Yep. And every year when elderflower comes into season, it is the biggest source of traffic on my blog for that whole month is that one pin that I stuck up. Exactly. And that's really the beauty of Pinterest. The same thing. I have seasonal posts. I have a couple of holiday style posts that every year, you know, starting kind of mid-November, they start to just drive some traffic. And then, you know, by the middle of December, they're floods of traffic to my site. And so and without me doing anything, I don't have to go back and repin them. They just, you know, have caught up. And so that for me is the beauty of Pinterest is I feel like it just makes my marketing efforts. It just takes them like the extra mile with that momentum that you don't see on a lot of other platforms. So is there strategy to how to make a good pin versus a pin that's not going to be as effective? Yeah, so there's definitely a strategy. I mean, and at this point, some of it seems fairly obvious, you know, the taller than it is wide is very important on Pinterest because of the way the system lays out the platform. Um, So you definitely want to make sure that all your images are vertical. I though, to be fair, I have seen the occasional square horizontal image go viral. So Mm. sometimes, you know, like with everything else, a really great image sometimes trumps everything. But in general, you want a vertical image. I've found that for click through, if you're trying to drive people to say a blog post, you definitely want to put some text on there that tells people, hey, this is a blog post. There's something behind it. You should go read it. So any image that I put up that has text on it, and usually the text is just some version of the blog post title. Anytime you put text on there, it's going to massively increase your click through on Pinterest. Um, And then beyond that, you know, the other thing that I really recommend for people, whether or not they're using their platform, is that they set up rich pins on their site. And I think this is something we go into detail in my creative live class. It's been a while since I recorded, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure we talk about it because it's so important. Um, And some places are now doing it automatically. Like Etsy, if you are pinning from an Etsy store, it's automatically a rich pin. Um, The same thing with if you use Shopify as your shopping cart, which I do. Now I'm pretty sure it's automatically a rich pin. But like from your blog, basically there's about two steps that you have to do to create a rich pin. But what a rich pin does is it gives your pins more information. So as we know, every social platform changes all the time. But in Pinterest's current incarnation, they don't give you a lot of text and information about an image like they used to. Most of the time, you don't even see the description. You just see the image. But with a rich pin, you still see the headline of the blog post or the product title or whatever it is. You see that when you're scrolling through your main feed. And then when you click on it, you get to actually see a snippet of the blog post. You get a little read more or like shop now button. So you just get so much more information and all of that encourages click through. And that's really the beauty of Pinterest and why it's such a big traffic refer is because Pinterest, unlike certain other platforms, (laughs) doesn't, doesn't say, hey, we want you guys to stay on our platform. Pinterest says, hey, we want you to find the thing that we're you're looking for. And so we're going to make it really easy for you to click over to this website because that's where the thing that you're looking for, whether that's information or a product, that's where that thing lives. And so we're going to make it easy and rich pins make it even easier. And that's how people are using Pinterest, isn't it? It's almost like a search engine rather than like Instagram where you maybe just scroll to catch up with people. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest misconception about Pinterest is it's not a social media network at the end of the day. It's actually a search engine. Or I think Pinterest would probably describe it as something like a visual discovery platform, but, you know, potato, potato, it's it's definitely (laughs) a search engine. And so when you start to think about it like that, it actually changes your whole strategy, especially with the newest algorithm that Pinterest rolled out. Follower count is 
so much less essential on Pinterest than it is anywhere else. Mm. Because now you don't just see what your followers post. You see, you know, pins related to pins that you've been interested in. So for instance, I was looking at all these DIY pins about how to create flooring by like cutting down plywood into planks. And then it was like for the next week, like I'd go on and up, there's another pin about that up. There's another pin about that. So Pinterest, what they do in the algorithm is they say, Hey, we see that you're interested in this thing. So we're going to show you more of it. And as long as you keep engaging with that, they'll show you more. If you're like, okay, I'm, I'm over this idea now and you stop pinning things and they'll stop showing it to you. I haven't seen DIY planks in a while. Um, but so that's kind of the way the algorithm works. And you might still see things that from people you follow, but it's a much broader mix of Pinterest trying to say, hey, we think you're going to like this content based on what you've pinned and interacted with before. Which is actually really helpful. I start so many of my projects on Pinterest. <laughs> Even like the latest course I've been writing, my Gloom and Glow one, I went onto Pinterest as a first step and went, okay, what are the pictures that I want to teach people to take? And brought them all together and then I was able to kind of tease out the elements that I needed to talk about. Like if you're a visual person at all, I do think it's a really helpful tool both as a content kind of discovery tool and also as a way to share your own work. Yeah, that's what I love about it is it's, it is kind of those two birds with one stone, right? I get to promote my own stuff, but then I get to see and be inspired and, and look at other ideas and come up with, you know, right images that I might want to take or, you know, blog post ideas that I could create for myself. So, you know, for me as a visual person, it just it's kind of hard to beat as a platform. So I know that there's going to be people listening who are thinking, this all sounds amazing, but I, I don't have time. The time is the thing that we're all struggling for more of. How much time do you think someone needs to be spending on Pinterest in an average day if they're trying to kind of gain some momentum through it? So here's the beauty of Pinterest. There are a lot of days where I maybe am on the platform for 10, 15 minutes max. It's not something where you have to put in a ton of time if you're really strategic about it. So you know, when I first started teaching Pinterest strategy, I really taught something called the power pinning strategy, because in the early days of Pinterest, your follower count was more important. And mm. so I would say, go in a couple times a day for like a solid 15, 20 minutes and pin, or in, in this case, repin lots and lots of images from within the site, because the more you do that, the more followers you're going to get. Now, I still think that's important. And we can talk about why in a second, but you don't have to spend as much time doing that anymore because what's more important is getting your content into Pinterest with the right keywords because it's less about followers and it's more about the search functions. So what I do is I actually use a pin scheduler. I use a service called Viral Tag. A lot of other people use Tailwind. They both work great. So I'll go in in the morning and I'll just schedule some of my own pins to go out throughout the day and then kind of, you know, coming out again and again in the coming weeks across different boards. So I'll do that pretty much every morning. And because I've got a ton of content scheduled, if I don't have time to do it in that day, it's fine. And then usually at some point in my day, I hop on for again, 10 or 15 minutes and I just repin some content. I, you know, find things that I like, I pin them across my different boards and that's pretty much it. <laughs> so even though it's easy to get sucked in and lose hours on Pinterest. You actually don't, you don't have to, to use it as an effective marketing tool. I think that's, that is going to be music to a lot of people's ears. Yeah. One other thing I thought of actually as well, when you were speaking about making those graphics where you have text over an image for a blog post or to promote something, if people don't already know, there's an app that I use called Adobe Spark. I mean, there's probably plenty of other ones as well, but that's a free app 
that literally you can do it on your phone in minutes. You make a template and you just keep on updating them. So it's not like you have to learn Photoshop and get your head around a whole new thing. If that's part of what you need to be doing, you can do it really quickly. Oh, yeah, that's such a good tip. And, you know, and I think the thing is, too, the most important thing is to get your content out. So in the beginning, if you're like, I don't have time to go put text on everything, just pin stuff. That's totally fine, too, Uh, especially if you're a product person. Like if you're a product person, all of your product images, they don't need text. Just pin things because that's what people are looking for. So the most important thing is getting your stuff out there so that it's in the flow and it can start to kind of gain traction. And if that means it's like, I'm just going to pin it really quick and move on with my day, that's totally fine. One of the other things that I know you do on Pinterest and kind of, I guess it's on your Instagram too, is that you treat it almost like a magazine for your ideal customer. Yeah. So I like to think of Pinterest as the lifestyle magazine for my brand. So it's not just, Hey, here's my jewelry, but it's, here's my jewelry and here's what you might wear it with. And here's the room you might stand in while you're wearing it or the trip you might take wearing it. So really it's about kind of creating the whole lifestyle. And the reason that I find it a little bit easier to do that on Pinterest is because you can just repin other people's content without having to worry about, you know, am I using this without permission? Is it something that I have to ask for? You know, the, the way Pinterest works is you can just put your stuff in context with other things and it really starts to build a whole picture of your brand. And it's also what Pinterest likes. So one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is they'll create these Pinterest boards and they'll have all these different boards about different topics. And then they'll have one board that's specific to their brand. Maybe it's like my blog or it's my jewelry or whatever it is. And they only pin their own stuff to that one board. And it's such a wasted opportunity because part of the way that Pinterest works is, yes, they absolutely look at keywords. And that's really important to have your keywords in your descriptions and even in your image file names and certainly in your blog post titles. But they also look at context. They look at what were these other, what are the other things that this image is pinned with? And if it happens enough times, that's when they start to bring an image up as a related pin. So if you're only pinning your work to one board and you don't have a lot of traction, you're never going to gain traction because no one's ever going to see it. But if you're pinning your work across multiple boards with different themes that, you know, put it in the context of different types of images, it greatly increases the chances that other people are going to see it. So an example of that in practice for people listening, I have a board that is all Instagram advice and I pin my own Instagram advice, but I also share other other articles other people have written that I know are really good and valuable so that now my article is linked by Pinterest with those other really valuable articles. Yes, exactly. And I know that this kind of trips people up sometimes because they think like, oh, well, you know, what if I, that I'm like pinning my competitors, but A, hopefully you have at least some competitors who are actually your friends. And so it's a nice thing to do to pin their work. Amen. Yeah. But you can also look at, you know, other things. So for instance, I have a board that's statement necklaces. I make a lot of statement necklaces. It's a big part of my line. So of course it's mostly my work, but I'll pin a lot of images that are actually close-up images of other statement necklaces from runway shows. So it's not necessarily something that you can like go buy from that other pin. But again, it puts my work in the context of other things that I want it to be associated with. I think it's a really useful exercise as well because it helps people get that whole brand image into their head. So this is something we work on on my Instagram course quite a bit. It's kind of finding the parts of what you do 
that go together and which parts you kind of need to weed out and maybe just keep separate and I'm sure do you have secret boards that are just totally off brand oh I have so many secret (laughs) boards I remember when you could only have three and it was like I had one one secret board that was like literally just for everything and then when they finally said okay you could have unlimited secret boards I was like oh now it's on so right I have secret boards for things that just don't relate to kind of the overall thing of my brand so you know I have a board for recipes because I just, I don't post a lot of food things or like recipes that are so there. I definitely want to make them, but the pin is so unesthetically pleasing. Yes. Yeah. Cause that's the whole thing. I can't pin it publicly. So I have like the <laughs> recipe board, which now I also share with my husband because you can do joint secret boards. Yeah. So we pass recipe ideas around, you know, or kind of random things. Like I actually really love Harry Potter, but it doesn't make any sense for my brand. So I have a secret board of Harry Potter things. <laughs> so, right. And then even, you know, I actually have a couple of secret boards that are about kind of my own photo styling ideas or things that might not make sense to go publicly, but that I'm thinking about as I'm developing my own product photography or my own blog photography. Right. And I guess this comes back to that distinction that I know I've talked about before on the podcast, the thing where you are not your brand. Your brand is made up of you, but there are parts of you that you you don't bring to your brand, you keep to yourself. And whether that's just because it doesn't fit with the platform you're using or whether it's just not going to make sense to your customer base or your audience it's kind of recognizing those things and Pinterest seems to really help people do that I think because a lot of creatives are very visual people it kind of makes the jigsaw pieces fall into place yeah I think so and you know I think the other thing that's helpful when you're thinking about your Pinterest strategy and the kind of boards you want to make public versus the kind of boards you want to make private is thinking about what topics are of interest to your ideal customer so I know for me one of my ideal customer avatars is Susan, who's an interior designer from Boston in like her mid to late 40s. And so I can, I have a ton of public interior design boards because I know that's a thing that my ideal customer gravitates towards. And even though it's not content that I'm creating, it's still creating this overall picture. If someone comes to my account and they're like, oh, this girl posts about style, which I sort of like, but she also posts a lot of interiors, which I love. So of course I'm going to follow her and be interested in her. So I think you can start to think about those distinctions of, you know, what's of interest to me and what's, and what's of interest to my ideal customer and where are the overlaps. And those are what should be your public Pinterest boards. I asked you actually, just before we started, how much of your traffic came through Pinterest versus Instagram versus organic because and it was your answer was interesting so maybe you should share your answer with everybody yeah so you know I think there are two things that people ask about and one is traffic and the other one is sales and they don't aren't always the same thing so I think it's important to make those distinctions so in terms of traffic Pinterest is far and away my number one traffic referrer and my stats are a little bit skewed because my blog even though both my blog and my online shop are under the same domain name, they're both under meganalman.com, they're actually built on two separate platforms. So my blog is built on WordPress and my my shop is built on Shopify. And that's actually just a, a function of the fact that I've literally been blogging for 11 years now. <laughs> and so the blog existed well before this iteration of my shop. But so what I find is that to my blog, the vast majority of my traffic comes from Pinterest. Like there are days where Pinterest beats Google by like 10 times. It's kind of crazy. And then, you know, there's some direct traffic and things like that. And then when you look at my, the sales in my online shop, some of them come from Pinterest and some of them come from Instagram, but the two biggest referrers are my website itself. So most people flow through the website, whether that's they're hitting the homepage or whether that's they're hitting a particular blog post, they flow through the website and then come over to my shop to purchase. And then my 
other major referrer is actually my email list. So about 50% of my sales come directly from my email list. And I spend a lot of time on Instagram, Instagram in particular, and then some on Pinterest, really working on driving people to my email list. um, Because I know that once they're on there, that's where they're really going to buy and become fans. Right. And this is something I do, regular listeners will know, I do get a bit (laughs) evangelical about mailing lists, because I feel like they're being forgotten. And yet they are still the best way to sell like nothing converts like an email into sales oh absolutely I feel 100% the same way I always think you know you can kind of pick and choose what what platforms you're going to use you know maybe you're obsessed with Instagram maybe you're obsessed with Pinterest maybe you're like me and you kind of jump back and forth between them depending on your mood but the email list is really non-negotiable because at the end of the day, it's the only thing that you own. Yes. Well, you own your blo- you own your blog too. So I, actually, for me, that's an important one. But really, in terms of driving sales, the email list is the thing that you own. And if you're not using it, you're really missing out, not just on an opportunity, but straight up on money. Like You're missing <laughs> yes. out on money if you're not not only collecting email addresses, but actually emailing your list on a regular basis. Right, because that's step two. Right. I've got people starting to kind of, I think, build mailing lists, hopefully. But step two is to actually send emails because every time you send an email, you make money pretty much. Yes, exactly. And sometimes, you know, it's going to be a lot of money depending on what you're doing. And sometimes it's going to be a little money, but it's almost always money. And I think especially in my space for, for product people, people don't understand what they should send out to their email list. They think they either have to send these really long newsletters, which you don't, or they think you have to send a coupon code, which you don't. Um, Most of the time, your email can be as simple as either, hey, here's something new that I just put in my shop, you should go buy it. Or, hey, here's something I love that maybe has been around for a while, but you didn't notice, or it's gotten really popular, or I just want to point this out to you, you should go buy it. And that can literally be the whole email. And I've actually tested a lot in terms of, you know, how many images, how much I should put into an email. And the emails that do best for me are the emails that have a single image, a little bit of text, and a big shop now button. And those by far get the most click-throughs and the best results. That makes sense as well, because we know inboxes now are starting to have their own algorithms as well. And the big Mm -hmm. clunky sales emails full of flashing (laughs) banners and all really fancy layouts don't even land in people's main inbox. They go into promo tabs or even into spam. Exactly. Well, and I think the other thing is too, you want to keep people curious. I noticed if I put a lot of images in there, they didn't feel compelled to click over to the site because they felt like they had seen enough of what they wanted. Whereas, you know, if there's only one image, they're like, oh, but what else is there? So let me click over and now go to the site. And ultimately, that's where you want people because that's where they're going to make the purchase. And then I also do, I'm not, I don't do a a ton of advertising, but I do a little bit of Facebook retargeting ads. And of course, those only work if I've gotten them over to the site. So I want to do everything I can to get them to open the email and then actually click onto the site. It sounds so simple. I'm hoping people are feeling really fired up and enthused. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and speaking of it sounds so simple, I, you know, I do also have an email marketing class on Creative Live. So if you're over there checking out the Pinterest class, you can check out the email class too. And my big thing about that, and I actually taught that alongside a blogging class and both of those classes, I was like, hey guys, the whole point of this is that you're making it way more complicated than it needs to be. The reason I email my list every week and the reason I put up multiple blog posts every week is because I keep them super simple. Most people way overcomplicate all of this stuff and then they never do it. 
That's so true. It's perfectionism. It's, it's so many things at play. And then people don't read them. So it, even if you do do it, it kind of is never worth the time. Right, exactly. You know, I find like this is something that I've been playing with with my blog posts lately is um, I've been doing a lot of photography where I'll end up with like six or seven images around a theme. And I'm not going to post all six or seven to Instagram, but I can post them all in a blog post with just a little bit of text. And it's such a great way to kind of share and market my work. Right. And I always say this, like a, a blog post can be a photo and a quote. And there you go. Exactly. <laughs> I totally agree. It's about value and what the person takes away. Yep. Way more than it is about words on the page or. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that's really important for all of us visual creators to remember is, you know, just because info marketers are out there saying that your blog post needs to be a thousand words or 3000 words or whatever the crazy numbers they're throwing around now that is, does not have to be true. If you communicate primarily through images, then your blog posts get to be mostly images. Amazing. That feels like that might be the quote I need to pull out and stick in, <laughs> stick in the show notes for this episode. So we've mentioned Instagram in passing a few times. And I know, like me, you're a little bit of an Instagram addict as well. Yes. Is that fair to say? I think that's pretty fair to say. <laughs> so I know one of the things you do on Instagram is you make every post a product post. Is that still true? Yes. So I would say about 95% of my Instagram posts are in some way, shape or form an image of my product, whether that's, you know, the image of my product kind of called out my jewelry called out on a, on a background, or uh, oftentimes it's my jewelry being worn by either a model or increasingly by myself, because that's something I've been doing a lot more of. And then occasionally I'll sprinkle in, here's a shot of my workspace or, you know, if I did something exciting, like go to a museum, I might post an image of that, but it is about 95% my work because I think if you have a product, you automatically have all of this content for Instagram because you've got so much product photography and it actually gives us a leg up over other businesses who have to think about creating content specifically for Instagram all the time. Especially when you're a service-based business, it can be really yes. difficult to think of. So yeah, I, I look at product product businesses who aren't showing their products on Instagram and I'm like, well, you're missing the easiest opportunity here. Yes, I know all my non-product-based business friends are jealous. They're like, it's, you're so easy. You just go pick a product photo and post it. And I'm like, yep, yep, I do. <laughs> I have a friend who I've, who's been on the podcast before as well, Helen, and some of her most popular images are when she just uses a scan from one of her books. She's an illustrator. And I'm always like, that's not fair. That's work you've already done. And you just get to put it up and it works. It's so lucky. Yeah, it is. It's it's really, it's really nice. And I don't understand why more makers and artists don't take advantage of it because we really, like I said, we're, we're at a really unfair advantage on that one. I think people have a tendency to feel like it's not what Instagram's for or like they're going to turn people off by sharing their work. And I know some yeah. people who, who will hide their product away. Like it's one in every like 10 posts. And even then the caption doesn't really let you know that it's for sale. Well, and you know, and I think there is this feeling of like, I don't want to be overly promotional or I don't want to like spam people. And, but I think there's a way that you can post a lot of images of your product and not feel like you're spamming people. So I kind of have this rule on Instagram, um, which I call like professional images, conversational copy. So I'll use most of my images are my product shots and, and those are generally shot with my DSLR. So they're really high quality images. But then if you look at my captions, a lot of them aren't like, Hey, go buy this thing. Or at least they don't start with, Hey, go mm. buy this thing. It's like, Hey guys, happy Monday. Or, 
you know, man, like it's so cold out today, or this is what I'm thinking about. So it's really about, you know, kind of what I might say. And, and maybe this is because I started on like Twitter well before I started on any of these visual platforms. So it's like, oh, I'm just going to kind of put some random thoughts out there. And then if I want to, I might say, oh, P.S., this thing is available in my shop. Though what's nice is now that you're starting to see, and, and unfortunately, I think you're only seeing it in the U.S. right now, shoppable Instagram yeah. posts. So like I can do that through my Shopify. I can kind of skip that really overt step because I can actually just make the image clickable now. It's so nice. So nice. People have got mixed feelings about it. I asked on Twitter this week what people thought, and a lot of people were saying they were really opposed to the idea of it, but I actually kind of love it. I actually kind of love it too. And you know, here's the thing. There are brands that I follow on Instagram because I like their products and I'm thinking about buying them. For yeah. instance, Sorrel Shoes are, is one that like, I, you know, I love their boots. I, I think they're all amazing and I follow them. And I love that when I see it, and I'm like, oh, those boots are so cute. Now I can just click and get exactly to those boots instead of having to scroll through three pages of boots to find the ones that I thought were cute. So uh, for me personally, I think if you're following a brand because you love their product and you're thinking about buying it, it's amazing. And I think that goes back to the whole problem of if you're an artist or a maker and you're not posting the majority of your work, then people aren't following you because they love your work. Right. They're following you for some other random reason. And then it does feel weird and spammy when you post about your work. But if you're only posting your work, then it makes sense. And I will say that only posting your work may mean that, especially in the beginning, you don't have quite as many followers. Like if you look at kind of the fast follower growth strategies, they don't always apply to like, here, let me keep posting images of my work. Mm -hmm. But it means that the followers that you have are followers who really love you and the work that you're making. And those are the ones that matter anyway. And those are the ones that are actually going to make you money. Right. They're your right people. Exactly. And everything else is kind of about vanity, mm -hmm. which is, is, is seductive. It's super seductive. And, I, and this okay. is a trap I feel I see a lot of people falling into is they want to grow so they get they fall into the trap of posting what people want from them and it ends up being a lot of lifestyle imagery and then those people don't buy so even when you do feature a product it doesn't convert into sales because that's not what people are there for exactly and I think the funny thing is you know at the end of the day sometimes I I, I get stuck in the vanity trap like everyone else and I have to go back and remind myself like the thing that you you are most focused on is selling your product so back in, I think it was the spring, I was actually working on some product samples. I was going to teach a, a hands-on metalsmithing class for Creative Live. And so I was posting images of the stuff I was working on and they were getting crazy engagement on Instagram and people were loving them. And even though I hadn't intended to sell them, I thought, oh, well, like everyone loves them on Instagram. So I should totally put these in my online store. And then I put them in my online store and it was like, crickets. <laughs> but then I have other products, like there are other times where it feels like, you know, my Instagram, like my engagement is down and people aren't excited about stuff, but I'm selling more and I'm selling directly off of Instagram. And so the things that get you maybe the most followers and the most engagement may not be the things that sell what you're selling the most. And so you have to remember at the end of the day, okay, so like maybe my follower numbers aren't as high or my engagement's a little off, but people are buying things and that's actually my job. Yeah, that's actually why we became business owners in the first place. Was right, to, right. Yeah, to sell our work, to do what we do, what we love doing, not to be Instagram famous. 
Exactly. And I mean, if your business is to be Instagram famous, then there's, that's a whole other conversation. Yes. Um, but my business is to sell jewelry. So I have to think about that, you know, from that perspective. So how long do you spend on Instagram in an average day? So what's funny is, like I said, Instagram is a hungry beast. I actually spend way more time on Instagram than I do on Pinterest. Part of it is just because I really like the connection mm-hmm. and the community. You know, I, I love interacting with people. I have really great friends. Some of them are through Instagram. Some of them I know in real life, but we connect a lot on Instagram. So I would say, you know, I spend, you know, maybe till it's all said and done a couple of hours a day on Instagram, but I'd be lying if I said all of that was actually work time. (laughs) (laughs) Shh, don't tell them. (laughs) Some of it is just because I really love the platform, right? So I'm on the platform and I'm interacting with people and and that's kind of my, my TV downtime is usually spent scrolling Instagram. So, but I would say, you know, I try to post, you know, once or twice a day. So I'm kind of, you know, on there to post and then on there, you know, you know, maybe another 30, 40 minutes, just kind of interacting with people, responding to comments, you know, going around, liking things, doing all the kind of good neighborly things that help you out on Instagram. And that's why it's a blurry line. I think like whenever my husband's like, are you on Instagram for work? Are you on Instagram for pleasure right now? Like, can I ask you to put your phone down? But it's difficult to call because everything you do socially on Instagram or on any platform comes back in the form of kind of return engagement because at the heart of social media is the social aspect and actually being yourself being genuine and talking exactly but I will say that you know I try to be pretty good about not going on for not going on for the amount of time when I'm in my studio so like I'll try to ignore my phone and ignore Instagram you know for a couple hours while I'm working and then I might check in at lunch and then um, you know I'll work again for a couple hours and then I might check in, you know, while I'm cooking dinner or something like that. So it's one of those where I think it's important to realize that like you can step away from Instagram for a couple of hours or even a day or two and the world is not going to (laughs) end. I've actually been experimenting lately with posting much less frequently than I used to. Um, And yeah, there's been no repercussions. There's been no drop in sales. There's been no drop in engagement. Everything is fine. That's always really reassuring to hear. <laughs> like, yeah. like sometimes you're like, oh no, I didn't post today or, you know, so I think it's one of those. And again, I think it's so interesting how, how different platforms you can get away with more or less content. And sometimes that's actually frustrating. Like I have been doing a ton of photography lately for my jewelry. And so I'm creating massive amounts of content. And it's one of those where now it seems like on Instagram, you're not, rec- you're not rewarded for massive amounts of content yeah. unless it's in your stories, but on the main feed, you're definitely not rewarded for that. And so I've had to kind of go back and be like, okay, I'm creating a lot of images that I'm really proud of. And Instagram is not the right spot for all of them. So where can I put them? And it's like, oh, well on my blog, there are no rules, right? I could post six blog posts in one day and no one's going to be like, wow, you're crazy. Cause probably <laughs> no one's going to read them all on the day I post them. Um, so, and I can post six similar images in one blog post, and then I can pin them all to Pinterest over time. So I think as I've created more, as I've been creating more and more content, I really had to think about like, where are the right platforms for this? And I love now that, that you can think about that, that your first goal can be, I'm going to create a great image and, or a great series of images. And then you can sit down and figure out, okay, where are the best places to put this, that it's going to, you know, get seen by the most people and that it's going to actually do the best work for my business. 
That's a really nice approach because it can often feel like the platforms are dictating to us what we need to do. And Instagram is a real beast for that, where it's kind of Mm. there's content that does well on Instagram. There's things that your followers will respond more to. And you can easily fall into the trap of just creating the content for Instagram that people probably want to see yes so it's nice to turn that back on itself and say I'm going to create the content I want to create and then find a platform where it will be at home yeah and I think it takes some of the pressure off of any individual platform too so like on days when you're feeling frustrated by the Instagram algorithm or like days where it feels like it's taking a while for your your Pinterest to get traffic it's like okay well where else can I communicate this and then you know when all else fails you're like oh right I could email this image to my list and that's probably (laughs) going to make me the most it's probably going to make me the most amount of money (laughs) Um, and it is that thing then your eggs are not all in one basket and if Instagram if Instagram Pinterest and Twitter and Facebook all disappeared tomorrow we'd still have our mailing lists. We still have our blogs. Right. People would know where to find us and we'd know where to find those people. Exactly. And I think that's, that's so important. And, you know, I, so I recently listened to this really great audiobook called Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday. Oh, someone's just lent me that yesterday. <sighs> so good. And one of the things he talks about is there's this rule that like for every year a thing has been in existence, it's just as likely that it'll be in existence that many years into the future. So I'm like, okay, well, Now my blog has been around, you know, I've had my blog for 11 years. So that's a pretty good indicator that probably in another 11 years, it's actually still going to be doing some kind of work for me in my business, which is pretty amazing to think about. And I think the same thing with my email list, right? I've had my email list for years and years through every iteration of my business. And that means it's, it's probably going to continue to be valuable for a lot of years. And he actually makes that point about email. Email has been around a really long time since, you know, what, the early 90s. Mm. And so email's not going away anytime soon. No, I can't imagine what they could replace email with, whereas something like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you can see it evolving and changing as people's technology changes and also people's kind of interests. Right, exactly. And and you never know. I mean, there could be another platform that pops up tomorrow that everyone's super excited about, which is why I think in the end, right, making sure you have that email list, putting content in your blog or places that you own and, and keeping the focus on creating great images and creating great content and then finding the right platforms to put it on is such a smarter long-term strategy than trying to game any one platform. Even though I love a lot of those platforms, don't get me wrong. I love them. I want to be really clear about that. But I also think you have to think long-term about what you're creating and putting out into the world. Well, and that's kind of the focus that I've really pulled into all of my courses is that it's the imagery that will do the bulk of the work for you. If you get the images right, you won't need to rely on strategies that can change. And and increasingly when algorithms come in, we have less and less control over how our content is seen. All we can do is create the best possible content we can, the most eye-catching, the most thumb-stopping, the most visually arresting and beautiful or fantastic photography we can and then that whatever comes next beautiful images are always going to have a place in it yes I totally agree and that kind of leads us a little bit to you mentioned that you were taking more pictures of yourself for your Instagram (laughs) and you also told me just before we started this call that that's not something you've always been super comfortable with no so I actually have always hated pictures of myself. I've never thought of myself as a person who is photogenic. I actually didn't even hire a photographer for my wedding because I was like, I refuse to pay for pictures that I know I'm going to hate. Like this is how, this is how camera averse I've been. But at the same time I make jewelry and I really 
firmly believe that a just from a practical sales standpoint jewelry sells better when you show it on a model because no one reads descriptions so it it automatically shows you scale Mm. but I also think you know I'm making a product to be worn and I want to showcase that and so that's always meant finding people to model for me and while you know I love working with models and I love taking their pictures there's some really practical challenges especially as I've been making more and more one-of-a-kind work online, like I can't call in a model every week when I want to be releasing work every week. And so it sort of started out of necessity of like, you know what, I'm just going to suck it up and like start photographing pieces on myself. And I kind of started with that like really close crop, like, okay, here's here's like just the little V-neck of my shirt <laughs> with a pendant in there. Um, and then as I kind of started to get more comfortable, it was like, oh, well, you know, I think my lips are going to be in here. So I'm going to slap on some red lipstick and then Oh, like, look how pretty that made me. Maybe I'll just take a couple pictures of myself. And so literally in the span of, I would say like a month and a half, I went from a person who hates pictures of herself to a person who's literally taking a ton of pictures of herself and kind of has gotten into that really being part of the the flow of my creative image making process. And, and people are really responding to it. It's first of all, I'm it's actually helping me sell more because it's just, I'm getting more product out into the world. It's really short in that time frame. But so many people I know are like, oh, I love that you're posting your jewelry on yourself now. Like, I love that I get to see it on you. So it's funny how I kind of like, just by doing it more and more, I was able to get way more comfortable with it and, and make it part of kind of my creative process. That's really fascinating. I suspect a lot of people, it's, it's a really female thing in particular, isn't it? To just hate having your picture taken. So was there a secret? Is there a secret to looking good in pictures? Well, you know, so here's what's really funny about it. One of my biggest hangups has always been that most of the time I don't wear makeup. I'm just, I've never been a big makeup wearer and I have no problem going out into the world without makeup, but I always had this weird hangup about like, I can't take pictures of myself without makeup. And so one day, like I said, I just kind of threw on some red lipstick because my lips were going to be in. And I was like, oh, wait, this wakes up my entire face without any other makeup. (laughs) And so it turns out for me, the secret is simply red lipstick. Amazing. Um, Yeah, it's kind of amazing. You're like, oh, wait, this fixes everything. It like (laughs) distracts and whatever. So I think that's one thing. And the other thing is actually good lighting. So it's amazing what having good lighting. I have a little like octagon soft box that I think I got for about 100 US dollars on Amazon. And you put that on and it's like, it just makes your face glow. You know, a lot of times if you're trying to take pictures of yourself, like for me, top down lighting is terrible. I have really, I have deep set eyes and kind of, and I have naturally dark under eye circles. See, these are the things, right? We, we focus on our flaws. Any kind of top down lighting is just going to accentuate that. It looks terrible. So if I can just throw a big soft box right in front of my face, all of a sudden it like blows out all the dark under eye circles and actually makes my eyes, which are my eyes themselves are actually big. It makes them pop. And suddenly you're like, Oh, I look so much better now. So (laughs) even simple things like just playing with where the, like the direction of the lighting and where the lighting is coming from. And then even angles, you know, I've actually found that I still don't like other people to take my pictures, but I'm very happy to take it myself because I have the control. Yes. And I think when you take pictures of yourself, you know if the picture looks like you, right? Right. Like, you know that the end result looks like, oh, yeah, when I look in the mirror, this is the person that I see, and I can communicate that through an image. 
That's so true. Because sometimes people take pictures of you and you, you almost don't recognize yourself in them. Right. And it doesn't feel like something you want to put out there because it doesn't feel like it's connected to you in the same way. Exactly. So I think, you know, learning to take really good pictures of yourself, I hate to say it's kind of an essential skill for our current digital world, but it almost kind of is, is what I'm realizing that it's a silly thing to get kind of held up by, um, when it's such a great way to kind of connect with people. Cause I think that's the other thing when you post an image of yourself, it's like, Oh, right. There is a person. I'm not a big corporation trying to sell you something. I'm one person who makes jewelry in her studio. And you know, you're probably going to buy that. You know, it's not cheap jewelry. You're not going to buy it. Cause you're like, Oh, that's cool. You're gonna buy it. Cause you're like, Oh, that's cool. And it's made by this one person who I feel this really strong connection to. Right. This is so this is so close to my heart. In fact, in one of my courses in Bloom and Grow, there is um, an entire section where I try and make people do self portraits of themselves. Um, And I think it's so empowering because as women, we've so often had bad experiences with having our pictures taken, we've hated what's come back, and we end up feeling really bad about ourselves. So when you take that control back, and you find the things, these small tweaks that you're describing, that make you stop hating your own face, essentially, right, you feel a lot better about yourself all the time. And it is a skill, like, with increasing use of things like live on Facebook, and on Instagram, and even on stories where people are talking to camera, you look at YouTube, everybody's talking to camera on YouTube and they all have those ring lights that make their faces look glowy by the way and a lot of them use filters too yeah it's a skill for the modern digital world definitely and if you don't want to put your face out there I think that's fine but if the thing that's stopping us from putting our face out there is self-confidence or feeling self-conscious about how we look then it's a good thing to push through because it's a lie that you don't look good enough and it can change a more than just kind of your marketing strategy, I guess. It can change how you feel about yourself. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. And I think, you know, there's also this idea of, it's like the theory of mere exposure, right? So the more you see something, the more comfortable you are with it. So the more you take pictures of yourself and then the more you look at your face because you have to then go in and edit those pictures, even if it's just, you know, minor tweaks for, you know, color temperature or whatever it is, the more you look at yourself, the more you can start to say, okay, you know, I, I am, you know, whatever I want to be, whether that's beautiful or funny or quirky or whatever, you mean, you get to communicate what you are. And the more you see it, the more you're accepting of that. And so, right. I think it's so fascinating that it can literally be like a marketing strategy and a tool for like self-love and self-confidence at the same time. Like how many things are like that, right? It's so crazy. Kind of the transformative power of actually just taking pictures of yourself. It's win-win. It really is. You get to feel good and you get to make money. Yes. One of the things that really fascinates me is when you see kind of a generation lower than us, so that young YouTube generation, and they will quite happily do their whole makeup routine, starting from bare face, you know, they've got spots, they've got whatever's going on, and they don't mind and they put that up on the internet and do the before and after. Now, like when I was a teenager, makeup was all about creating the illusion that you look like that all the time and I love that there's this new wave of women who are saying yeah no this is just something I can do I'm just really skilled rather than I'm just really gorgeous or I'm just really beautiful yeah I think that's so fascinating and I think there's also you know I love that and I love that people are using that and then I also love that there's this whole like no makeup selfie trend and it's funny because I actually wrote a blog post where I was like does 
wearing only lipstick count as a no makeup <laughs> selfie because like that's my thing now is I literally have given up on all of their makeup except for lipstick so I'll wear nothing on my face and then a really bold lip and I'm like does this count as a no makeup selfie I need to try this yeah but I swear it's like it's the most amazing trick because you can literally like it brightens your whole face in like two seconds if I w- didn't sell jewelry I think at this point I would just sell red lipstick to people <laughs> yeah you should definitely have a line in it by the sounds of it I know. But it's also really healing when you put your face out there and you're frightened of it and, and nothing bad comes back. Like you don't get the comments from people going, wow, look at your nose or whatever it is you thought they were going to say. <laughs> you kind of go, oh, okay. That's maybe not as obvious to everybody else as I thought it was. Right, exactly. People aren't looking at your flaws the way that you're looking at your flaws. And I also think the other beauty of something, you know, say like Instagram is you post something and you can always delete it. So, you know, I have, you know, my first like thing was like, okay, like let's take pictures where I'm smiling and just trying to kind of like look my best on camera. And then now I'm starting to play around with like what other personality and emotion can I show in my images? And so I did this like really goofy image of like myself with like my mouth open, like, like kind of making a like, oh, hey, surprised face, I guess you could call it. (laughs) And I literally like I debated for hours whether or not I wanted to post it on Instagram I was like is this weird should I post it should I not should I post it and then finally I was like just post it because if if it totally bombs and you totally hate it you can always delete it later and of course it didn't bomb and people were like oh my gosh this is such a cute picture but I think you know if you kind of give yourself permission to be like okay if, if it doesn't work I just delete it it makes you feel a little bit freer to kind of try and, and play with things like that. And of course, then once I put it on Instagram, then I was like, oh, I'll put it on my blog. I'll put it on Pinterest. Like, it's cool now. It's out in the world. <laughs> yeah. And, and it gets a good response. And so that kind of makes you feel like it's safe to take it further. Right. Stories is great for that because it's so temporary as well. So it's only there yeah. for 24 hours. Right. And the other thing I will say, I think the, the thing to keep in mind, especially with the way that the Instagram algorithm changes, is you also have to let it go if things don't say get as many likes as you want. You're like, oh, I love this image and I put it out there and it didn't get, get as many likes because maybe I stupidly posted it at 7.30 on Cyber Mon- in the morning on Cyber Monday when no one was paying attention. Yeah. Uh, so you have to kind of think about things like that too. So it's one of those where it's great to get that immediate gratification, but it, you also can't let that impact your self-esteem. Right, yeah, you can't depend on it. Sometimes images, whether it's an image of you or an, an image of a, you know, a lifestyle image, whatever it is, sometimes images don't work in that moment for a million different reasons. And so you have to sort of, you can get excited when people get excited, but you also have to like divorce yourself from, you know, being like, okay, well that bombed. So I'm a horrible, ugly troll, right? Yeah. Cause that's probably not what it means. You you have to like, let go of that. Uh, Exactly. um, In fact, my friend Laura always says her followers hate her face. Just whenever she posts pictures of her face, it never gets the engagement that she's used to. But obviously, it's, she's joking. They don't really hate her face. They just right. are there for, I think for her, they're there for flat lays and for di- something different. And so they're like, not people. We don't want people. Show us the other things. And it's so fascinating because I think, you know, everyone's followers behave differently because my followers like my face, but they don't like other people's faces. Ah, interesting. When I post pictures of other people wearing my jewelry, they typically don't do very well. So it's so fascinating to see. And it's, again, you can't get can't let any of that get you down it's just you know kind of what I think it's really you train people to be used to a certain type of image right and when you put something else out there sometimes they don't love it and I think it's okay to say you know what I was doing this sort of thing for a while sometimes when you make a big transition 
you're, you actually lose followers, right? Yes. So like I was doing certain types of photography for a while and my followers were growing. And it's funny because my posting more images of myself, my engagement is up and my sales are up, but my follower account has actually dropped. <laughs> and so you have to say to yourself, you know what? Like those people are not my right people or they're not the right people for this moment of my business. Right. And that's okay. Absolutely, because that number doesn't mean an awful lot. The engagement and the sales, again, it's back to what we said earlier, that's the true measure of the health of your business and of the tool that you're using. Like, is it turning into something you can use? Exactly. So the um, selfie taking is turning into a course? It is. So it's so funny because like we were talking about, it's this funny blend of, you know, marketing and empowerment. And I realized like if me, a person who hates photography photos of herself so much that she didn't even hire a photographer for her wedding can in like the span of a couple of weeks suddenly love pictures of herself, then maybe I can help other people do that as well. So I am putting together a course. It's called Market Your Selfie. Love that name. Thanks. I could not believe that it was available. (laughs) Crazy. So it's called Market Your Selfie. And it's really designed for anyone who kind of wants that combination of like technical skill and also kind of self-confidence and empowerment to post more pictures of themselves online. So I know like I, when I started posting more pictures of myself, I got a ton of questions from other jewelry designers about my setup. So it's definitely great for people who make a wearable product and want to get comfortable just photographing it on themselves. But I also think it's, it's really designed for anyone who wants to you know, post more pictures of themselves online, but they have that like, but I just hate the way I look in pictures kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think too, you know, as we need more images of ourselves, it gets expensive to hire a photographer all the time. So knowing how to take great pictures of yourself is a really valuable skill. Like I think about all the times that someone asked me for a headshot and I like panicked. Right. And now if someone asked me for a headshot, I would be like, Oh, well, which one do I use? (laughs) It's like an embarrassment of riches now. So (laughs) So it really, you know, it takes a lot of stress out of a lot of marketing aspects. So registration is going to be opening soon. I'm getting ready to kind of launch it. And all the information will be at marketyourselfie.com. It may well even be out, I think, by the time this episode yes. goes out. So I will stick all the links in the show notes too. Absolutely. Yeah. So Megan, where else can people find you besides at Market Your Selfie? You can find me at, first of all, every social media, I'm at Megan Almond, pretty literally on everything. Um, and then you can go to my website for my jewelry at meganalman.com. You can find me at designingandmba.com, particularly if you have a product-based business and you want more information about, you know, how to grow and market that. And then I've got a ton of classes, including all my favorite subjects like Pinterest and email marketing and blogging. I've got a ton of those classes on creativelive.com. You can just search Megan Almond on the site and you'll find lots of them. Amazing. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yes, thank you. Show notes for this week's episode are at meandola.co.uk forward slash podcast 36 because this is episode 36 and the link as well if you wanted to check out the Insta Retreat course or any of my other online classes is meandola.co.uk forward slash courses. I will be back next week and I hope you're having a brilliant 2018.